good afternoon and welcome to the Other Page Radio, WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. My name is Haywood Fennell. This program is a product of Triad Veterans Media Group under the auspices of BNN Media Online. What a wonderful day. No more hot, steamy, sweaty T-shirts to be worn around here. And we have a guest today that we need to listen to. We have State Representative China Tyler here today. Yay. And she is going to say a few words that need to be said about what needs to be done and what she's doing in that direction. Welcome, State Representative China Tyler from the 7th Suffolk District, I do believe. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? I'm here. That's great. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you inviting me. Um, this is a great space, and I wish you many more years of success on the radio. Thank you. We are <laughs> happy to have you here because uh, you're so busy, you make me dizzy. <laughs> you know, so I'm just glad that you've taken the time to come in and talk about the work that you have been doing for the people to include um, that idea of uh, getting our young people to go to see the colleges that we're surrounded by. But first, just tell us a little bit about the district that you serve in. Yes, so you are absolutely right. The 7th Suffolk District, uh, representing you at the State House on Beacon Hill, which is a beautiful building. It's a public building, so if you're there and um, I'm available, I'm happy to meet with anybody and show them around. So come down. Um, my district comprises of a couple of neighborhoods, uh, mostly Roxbury, um, a little bit of Dorchester, Fenway, the South End, and now Mission Hill. We redistrict um, our district th- this year, and so now we added on Mission Hill um, to our district. So it's a wonderful district full of um, many um, amazing assets and amazing people and amazing um, historic sites, and I'm just really grateful to be um, the person to continue to represent this district for uh, well, going on the seventh, seventh year. Seven years? Going on seven, seven years next year. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not laughing at <laughs> at uh, seven years. I'm just laughing at how fast time flies when you're doing things, you yeah, know, and yeah. you are doing things. And I just want to congratulate you, State Rep, on uh, seven years of work, you know, coming in, going in with a optimism for your community. I know some of your family. I know a lot of your family, and yes. I know that, yes. <laughs> you know, we're all really proud of you and what you're doing in the community, and a lot of that might have come from, you know, your family members that are in leadership, you know. Uh, I mean, you just, you're the package. Come right out the neighborhood. <laughs> Thank you so much, Haywood. I appreciate that, and I and I think highly of you. You know that. Um, You have so much to offer, so much wisdom stored um, and you offer so much to our community. So thank you so much that you do, particularly for our veterans and for um, folks in the theater and arts movement. Um, well, thank you for that. But, thank you. you know, we don't want to talk about me too much, you know, <laughs> because people say, see, he just got in here so she could talk about him. But no. No. <laughs> this is The Other Page Radio, and uh, we're happy here again to have State Representative China Tyler here from the 7th Suffolk District. 
she is involved in. Uh, tell us a little bit about your uh, accomplishments and what you're working on now. A statement, please. Yeah, so I'm very proud to put forth a ton of initiatives that actually have been successful on Beacon Hill. Um, many of the bills that we've put forth and that I drafted with a, um, a great deal of um, advocates and folks from the community have passed. Um, some of them you may be familiar with. Um, there have been many along the way, but um, I would say most recently the Crown Act, um, ensuring that you know companies don't discriminate against people of color based off of their hairstyles that they choose to wear while at work. Um, your hair is your main, your hair is your identity, is who you are, and I don't think that anyone should um, discriminate against you for being you. Um, so that's what the Crown Act does. It protects folks from um, that type of discrimination. Um, there was also um, jail-based voting, um, allowing folks who happen to be incarcerated to actually vote um, and participate in the election process. Um, just because you're incarcerated by the physical, you're not incarcerated by your citizenship and your community. Um, so making sure that folks are able to vote was very important. So we're going to make we made that happen this year. Um, we passed an amazing budget, which included a lot of money for many organizations and nonprofits that you that we all care about here in the community. So um, that was a great success. I want to um, stop and, you. Um, and a list of many I just, things. <laughs> I just I just want to stop you. I want to go back to what you just said about the voting. Yeah. Are you saying to our listening audience that? People that are incarcerated can now vote? Yes. In um, state elections? Yes, I'm stating that. Um, so they never were not afforded the right to vote. They just weren't given the opportunity to be able to do so. Mm. When you're incarcerated, you, you're, you're, your voting privileges aren't revoked. Um, so yeah. we needed to do what we need to do at the Commonwealth, in the Commonwealth and with the state law to um, make some adjustments to ensure that that process actually happens so folks can participate um, in civic engagement while incarcerated. Is that is that does that start anytime soon? Um, so right now the bill just passed. Um, so you know it takes a little bit to process it. Right. Um, I don't have that exact date. We can look it up really quickly. Um, it's and not when necessary, I, when but, implement I mean, it, but pretty soon. That's in action, though. That's yeah, what pretty I'm soon. Saying. Pretty soon. Wow, that is so wonderful! Wow. <laughs> so let every let everyone know that they can vote and make sure that they vote. You and we, we'll I'm get them do. registered you know, and all you that. You know what I'm going to do with that information. <laughs> yes. You know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to get it out there. Please spread the word. Yes, You please. know, as soon as this goes through the process for approval, and you let me know. But, I mean, you know, the shade of the toothpick beats the hot boiling sun, which is a metaphor, folks, for saying that this little one step, you know, it reduces the intensity of the denial that's been a part of the pattern when it comes to voting. Because remember, there was a time, and it hasn't been that long ago, State Rep, that we as a people were not allowed to vote. Yeah, that, you know, we're not too far away from the civil rights ever, which is not too far from the Jim Crow ever, which right. is right next to slavery. So right. I just want folks to really understand, like, how far we, we've come. And um, I'm very grateful to be able to help usher a lot well, of those we're really policies. grateful for you, uh having that type of, uh, you know, intensity around restoration of rights, et cetera. Yes, uh, Because it's very important. I don't even know if our viewing audience is aware of, you know, all the obstacles that have been placed in our way to keep us from being elected. I mean, we got one of the biggest fiascos going right now with this President Biden and that other fellow, you know, talking about, 
Uh, he didn't get elected. The votes was rigged. And, you know, I'm just so grateful for you to come on my show and talk about not allowing a person's status to keep them from participating in what I serve my country for. Yes. This is the other page radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. My guest today is State Representative China Tyler from the 7th Suffolk District. Uh, we'll be right back. Are you a veteran, or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. You know, we got a guest today, everybody, that is uh, a proven friend of veterans. And I'm a veteran. <laughs> I got to tell you, boy, they, they don't want to help us out. Yeah. Veterans are an I'm sorry you feel that way. An underused community resource. Understood. And we deserve because we serve. One of my concerns is building the presence of veterans and the history of veterans in our community, in our commonwealth, in our nation. And so we have a petition that we are circulating online to get a commemorative stamp series of mm -hmm. images from our Black Veterans Calendar that's been around now five years. We've done exhibits in the state house and other places in, in uh, Newton and City Hall and Worcester. And we have uh, Congressman Jim McGovern. Congressman Jim McGovern is one of the people that is an early on advocate for this particular project. Imagine having a commemorative stamp series of black veterans from the first casualty that occurred here in Boston, Massachusetts, and the gentleman's name was Christmas Addicts. Mm -hmm. Okay, and this calendar images go all the way up to the Tuskegee Airmen, mm -hmm. documenting the participation of black military veterans and underreported history. So stay with me, folks, because what I'm getting ready to say right now, I want you to understand that here is a state representative that worked on behalf of the General Edward O. Gordine African American Park Memorial, Memorial Park, yeah. if you will, mm -hmm. which is being honored today at City Hall at the City Council for the petition to change that name. Mm -hmm. Not only was that is that petition being introduced, but before that, our guest today, State Representative China, Tyler, made arrangements to get a sizable donation for this statue. And we just want to acknowledge that. And thank you. No, thank you. Mr. Veteran, I want to <laughs> say thank you, you know, uh, for being a part of that strategy that understands the importance of veterans 
and them having a presence in our community. Thank you so much for that. No, that's a no-brainer. Um, you know, the if you, we 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 owe it all to you all for serving on our behalf. And you know, my grandfather was a veteran. He also was just an amazing man in general. And you know, his legacy. My uncle served. And people have cousins that served in the Air Force and Army and Marine. And you know, when 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 you're discharged in whatever manner you leave the you know the military, hopefully it's on you know positive grounds. It's really hard to you know reintegrate back into you know just regular you know working a job. And so a lot of folks really suffer from being able to you know just get back on a good foot. It's kind of like you know um, experiencing a second chance, if you will. You know, yeah. living a normal life. And a lot of folks are not able to handle that because of the difference from what life is like when you serve, which is really intense and being back to just, you know, everyday nine to five. Some folks can't make that transition. And a lot of folks end up with post-traumatic stress disorders, yes. um, physical issues that they have while they serve that they just can't physically do any type of big laborious work. And so we have to do what we can um, as legislature to fulfill those voids. And we've been doing a lot of amazing things. Um, I was grateful to partner with your organization um, to give out coats to folks during the wintertime. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, there is a big issue with homeless veterans. Um, and we do what we can to ensure that they are well um, throughout the winter um, and many other things that we do as it relates to veterans. But the Memorial Park, which you started this conversation off um, um, with, um, was a big deal because, you know, I've been to D.C., I've been to all these amazing places where, you know, black military people are um, uplifted. And we just didn't didn't have that here in Massachusetts. It's um, pretty much an effort to, like, erase our history here in, in Boston. And so... We have to do what we can to push back and make sure we memorialize the great men, particularly of the 54th Regiment, which was one of the first, as you know. Right. We are involved, uh, state rep, as you very well know, uh, trying to uh, get people to be more accommodative and sensitive, if you will, to the plight of veterans. And I mm-hmm. got to say this, right, because you touched on it, that because of institutional racism that has been a part of the military history, um, our veterans were not treated right, even though they fought, mm-hmm. even though they went through a lot of things. But even before they went into the military, there were traumas that were caused by racism and became like a normal behavior to deal with that particular kind of trauma. Yeah. But when they went into the military, it was a different kind of situation because those people that thought that they were going to go in the military and serve in the military and come out and get the benefits like a GI Bill mm-hmm. when it first kicked off, uh, they didn't come back right, right. a lot of them, because of— their inability to be able to cope with situations that were confronted by them. Mm-hmm. War is devastating. It is, yes. Being a part of a war machine, even if you weren't in combat, is devastating. Mm-hmm. So the bright ideas and the bright-eyed people that were engaged in the military uh, and the pressures that were supplied by institutional racism caused a lot of disoriented people, couldn't follow orders, uh, they became defiant, they got bad conduct discharges, 
They didn't get their benefits, and they got substance abuse issues. But along the way, because of so many other people becoming addicted, the government realized that substance abuse disorders is treatable. Mm-hmm. And so saying, they were able to upgrade discharges of some people, mm. which they weren't able to get before. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny about what you're saying is that this is this is um, something that we've seen before in history. Um, even with the 54th Regiment, um, mm-hmm. there was a point in time where they were getting paid just as much as the white soldiers that were fighting in the same war they were fighting in. But over time, they wanted to drop their wages down like a, a good 25 percent, and they fought back for, for their wages to be reinstated. So it's not something that's new, you know? Right. It's You've ongoing. seen this before. Yeah. It's ongoing. And uh, in that regard, um, we have a meeting coming up, Drive Veterans League in collaboration with uh, Whittier Street Community Health Center, who has the veterans component, veteran service component. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be October the 13th at 3.30 p.m. at 1290 Tremont Street. In the community room, there will be a meeting to discuss the first steps in recognizing the importance of having veterans' homes built in Roxbury. <laughs> I had some conversation with some community development corporations, and they were telling me that there is funding for this type of housing for veterans and their families, and we are going to try to make that happen. Because if you can build the housing that's being built, not just in our district, but throughout the city of Boston, and you can't build housing for our veterans, Uh uh-oh, something's wrong. Somebody's out of step. Mm. We haven't had any housing built for our veterans and their families. We haven't had that. Mm -hmm. You build a veteran shelter, but that's not a a home for a veteran and his family. You know, uh, we just need to look at And we just thank you for your eyesight, State Rep, and the work that you and your team are doing around veterans' issues. No, thank you for your continued advocacy. This is really a collective effort. I know we we talk, you know, pretty often, and we get to check in sometimes, you know, and I'm grateful for that. And I do hear your advocacy around veterans' housing um, because a lot of folks don't know um, veterans are also on fixed income as well. Um, Most folks are. And so when you're talking about um, providing services for veterans, there's veterans that have different levels of income. And so you have to be able to meet folks where they are, particularly if they have the veteran status, you know. And so we want to do what we can to try to figure out how we can bring forth veterans housing. That's a really great idea and something that I would love to support. I just want to tell you when I saw you a couple of weeks ago and you had all these kids around you on Saturday. (laughs) Saturday, folks, the state representative is every day. And she had just come from a situation that I'm going to let you tell about, State Rep. But I just, again, want to thank you and your team for, and you were saying, I got to go, I got to go. It's a 100-year-old, a birthday for a 100-year-old citizen. I got to go up there now. I got to be there at 5 o'clock. But you had just (laughs) left from a bunch of young students. Tell us about that. Yes. um, So I had the the honor and the just privilege 
um, and which I'm very grateful for today to have access to um, a good education. Um, I went to the William Monroe Trotter School after elementary school, and I was zoned to a school near my house, which is near the area. But um, there had been so many shootings during around that time in the 90s when I was going to school. My mom didn't really want me to walk down, you know, the main street to go to school. So she was looking for another school. She found another school, and that school ended up changing my life because it introduced me into um, college preparedness, being prepared for college. Um, I didn't know anybody who went to college. My mom went to college for a couple of years, and she graduated, but, you know, she got her associates. But I didn't really know anybody that lived on campus. I didn't really know what that was, you know? And so when I got in, in introduced to it um, through, through that school, um, Roxbury Prep Charter School, which is what it's called, I went to Prospect Hill Academy, um, I passed by Harvard University, ended up at Northeastern. Um, and so I was able to live out the fullest trajectory of where I know that our kids can go through just being introduced to college preparedness while, as a sixth grader. And so I know that our kids can succeed. Um, I know that, you know, what they may tell you in the media is that our kids aren't doing well, but our kids are very bright. And if we teach them, they definitely can. Mm-hmm. They, they, they can learn. Um, and they're great learners and they're very innovative, very smart. Um, and just their way of thinking is just so amazing, you know. Um, and I want to be able to provide opportunities or pathways where they can be introduced to college. Should they wish to go to college? Because the workforce is a real thing, too. And we will support that, too. But if they're interested in the college, they should be able to see themselves on campus. Um, and not a lot of our kids really see themselves on campus or know what it's like to be on campus. And so um, every fall, um, I host a series of college tours for kids from the community. It's free. We pretty much take a quick college tour for about an hour. Uh, we eat together and we make it a little bit more intimate and more inviting for them. We give them swag, T-shirts or whatever, um, just so they can see themselves on campus because being introduced into, you know, a world after K through 12, you can get lost in that world. And if we don't set our children up for greatness while they're in school, while we have their attention, then um, we missed out and we can't afford that. We can't afford that. And I want to thank you again for that uh, continuance. One of my concerns, State Rep, is uh, I was I was listening to the news. I listened to the news a lot. I don't believe everything I hear. Oh, I, you can't. I don't do that. <laughs> I, I, might, I might listen, but that don't mean I'm internalizing that stuff. But one of the <laughs> things that I'm concerned about is the literacy uh, 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 law. They said on the radio and the other sources, that um, uh, because of the COVID-19 situation, uh, our children are three years behind in their literacy appreciation. And so I said, wait a minute, hold up. Three years behind? Mm -hmm. Well, then what about before the COVID-19 took hold? They were behind then, too. So they were a couple of years behind then, and now they're three years behind now. So they're not adding those other years that they was behind to say they might be five years behind in their ability to learn because they're not literate. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a lot of that, um, a lot of that miseducation of our students um, is focused around the curriculum. Um, mm-hmm. You have to have a really um, culturally, you know, yeah, age you. appropriate specific curriculum that you're teaching a child, you have to gauge their interests. You're the adult, you're the teacher, you're the person in charge, you're the administrator, you're the superintendent or whatever it is. You have control over, 
you know, what the curriculum looks like. And so right now we actually are trying to do something about some issues that we see in the legislature when it comes to curriculum across the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and that's the history. Um, There's no American—black history is American history. Latino Mm -hmm. history is American history. Um, We— built this country that's 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 a fact that's there's no argument against that and so we have to really make sure that our students are learning like what what we were before you know american history learn the whole story because if you always see yourself in a negative light um then you won't know who you are i think that we should go back and teach our kids who they are from day one um Mm -hmm. and actually teach black history um beyond american history in our schools um so there's actually a bill to be able to establish that initiative along with some of my colleagues um, out in um, Martha's Vineyard, um, um, Dylan Fernandes, Rep. Fernandes, he mm-hmm. wants to do one for Portuguese history. Um, we have some folks out in Lawrence that want to do one for Latino history. And so mm-hmm. we're trying to work together to figure out what we can do to make history in general in our schools a little bit more culturally sensitive. Have you have you uh, engaged the uh, new superintendent of Boston Public Schools, Mary Skinner? Have you had an opportunity to talk to her yet? Yes, we had an opportunity. I did greet her and uh, wish her well. Um, the school mm-hmm. year just got got off, so I look forward to continuing to engage with her to figure out how we can mm-hmm. make sure our students have the best um, experience um, up on graduation of 12th grade. No, I, uh, I I can't say enough about your tenacity when it comes to education. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. And uh, <laughs> also your team, uh, you had Mission Hill, you say, recently added as a part of your constituency base, but I uh, I see you everywhere, and it's not your district. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, you, know, I, you don't I have a choice. Want, I just want people to understand that we can no longer relegate our care for our people. You know, we can intermingle and help each other. You know, we can't restrict ourselves to say, oh, no, that's not my job. That's Haywood's job, but that's China's job. Oh, that's so-and-so's job. No. To build a community is everyone's job. It's everyone's job. I looked yesterday uh, when they were reporting the crime over by Berkeley High School. The Burke High School. The Burke, right? Yep, yep. So there was a district attorney, the police commissioner, the mayor, the superintendent of schools, and some other people that were there. They were all there. They were all there, everybody, mm-hmm. for this situation. Got to show up. But we need more of that to deal with issues in our city as a collective to make it a better place. Yeah. We can't just let crime be the center of our focus. We got economic development. We got uh, housing, marginalized marginalizations <laughs> in so many things. We got housing. We got workforce development. We got those people came together to try to figure out a strategy that we're not trying to figure out for the collective enough. Just crime. That's the way that you can stop crime. Yeah. But we got to work together. That's why. When I mention the fact that I see you in different locations outside of your district. See, we, we, we can't just allow people to come in our schools and say that they're school teachers and live 
not in our community, not knowing anything about our culture, not knowing anything about the impact of trauma, our inability to, to deal with it. They have to know all these things in order for them to have a right perspective on teaching our children. This is truth. Um, there also is a really big legislative initiative that we're taking on this year that I'm very proud to support um, to make sure that more people of color have more pathways into actually becoming teachers. Um, it's probably one of the hardest pathways when you talk about getting to college and choosing a major. If you're choosing, you know, education or to be a teacher, um, that field, that's a really hard field to get through, um, given, you know, a lot of barriers, particularly mm-hmm. to people of color in that field. And so um, we're doing a lot to open up some doors to make sure more folks are able to actually become teachers. Because right now, you are. I know you yeah, are. a lot of folks are paras there, they're support services, they're not actually the academic lead. I mean, we need some changes in that spaces. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, come on, let's get real here now. Let's not let's reevaluate how we're dealing with our children and their development and everything. Parents take their kids and drop them off, and then they pick them up and take them home or go to McDonald's and get something. And they ask the question about what they learned. They don't have time to do homework or all a lot of that stuff starts in the house. But, you know, again, our guest today, State Representative China Tyler, 7th Southern District, a real hardworking lady, she has— uh, graced us with this opportunity to talk a little bit more about uh, the land deal that just jumped off. Yes, it did. It did at Parcel 3. Parcel 3. 3. Hallelujah. (laughs) I might have to take that back home. (laughs) Go ahead. Parcel 3, yes. (laughs) So, um, uh, do you want me to tell you a little bit about it? I would appreciate it. Yeah, so first, actually, let me start by... um, let me, I know you can see me a little bit, but I brought you a gift um, from there so you could take this home. I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up. Oh, yeah. You got a Parcel 3 t-shirt. What? <laughs> so we brought you some swag from Parcel 3. Um, mm. So um, for folks that are just being introduced to this conversation, and forgive me those that already know, but um, Parcel 3 is the big parcel right behind Madison Park High School um, across from um, the Boston Police Headquarters on Tremont Street next to Ruggles mm. Station. Where that bar used to be. Yeah, I heard there was a bar there on the corner, yeah. Whittier Street um, Housing Projects area, and um, it re- it has o- over time it hasn't been it hasn't been developed in so many years. Nothing's been done. It's just kind of been sitting flat. Um, there have been people that tried to put in their bid and kind of go through the process of actually securing the land to build, but no one has been successful. Um, and just yesterday, um, an amazing team, which I'm a, a huge supporter of, um, HYM Development, and also um, my city of peace which is uh, full of a lot of folks from your neighborhood. So let me hold this up again for you so you can see what the back says real quick. Hey, well, you got to check it out. Yeah, I got it. It says 100% local. Right. Um, and they, they came together and made an, a, a, a proposal that, you know, just couldn't be passed upon. Um, they have all the different pieces of the puzzle that the community was concerned about um, as it relates to what would they like to see on that parcel. Um, that includes workforce and development, Haywood. Okay. Um, there's going to be a lab, um, a biotech lab, that's going to be a workforce and development center, getting folks into that industry. 
Um, folks know that I'm really big on workforce and development and providing pathways to opportunity for folks to just win uh, whatever whatever that means to them, you know, in the workforce. And so the biotechnology field is definitely a field where you can actually win. Um, so we're providing pathways there. Um, there'll be um, a lot of housing, home ownership opportunities and, and rental opportunities that folks can actually obtain and afford. Um, and they will look amazing and folks will be very proud of the housing put forth. Um, and last and certainly not least, there's going to be um, uh, a museum space there um, and also to office space um, and just really creating a real a, a nice ecosystem where folks are feel really proud about living in Roxbury. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a little bit about Parcel 3. And So, what well, was there going to be a further announcement, groundbreaking get to meet the principals uh, that are involved because I I know when uh, someone else was trying to uh, get that property and get it up and uh, they didn't do it. Yeah. But they're... you're involved <laughs> in it and I think that that is a, cat- a catalyst for other people to look to see what it is that you're seeing because you're seeing a lot of things that need to be done. You're touching a lot of bases. You're talking with the seniors. You're meeting sometimes at the Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> yeah, with people. Coffee know, is essential. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, you know, you're working with the veterans. Uh, you're talking about uh, voting while incarcerated. We're talking about land development and the lack thereof. Folks, today we have as our guest uh, state representative from the 7th South District, China Tyler, here on the Other Page Radio, brought to you by Triad Veterans Media Group. We're here at WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. We'll be right back. Are you a veteran who is struggling with their housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc., can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible, struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. Are you a veteran or do you know a veteran who is struggling with housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing, including hotel stays to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. We're back again. Uh, I got to update folks on the What's going on with Tri Veterans League programs, etc.? Uh, we're real happy about the upcoming uh, 2023 Black Veterans Calendar. We're going to be uh, we have putting in uh, some information about the 369th Infantry Regiment, also known as the Hellfighters from Harlem, who served in World War One in France in 1915, and they were amazing. And so uh, on this year, November the 12th and the 13th, the Oscar Michelle Family Theater Program Company, also known as The Company, 
will be celebrating its 25th anniversary, and we will be performing at the Media Arts Center at Roxbury Community College. Yeah, amazing. We're going to pay tribute in this performance to black veterans as a post-Veterans Day acknowledgement because Veterans Day this year is November the 11th, which is a national holiday. Roxbury Community College is closed, but on the 12th, in collaboration with Berkeley College of Music Department of Africana Studies, Africana Music Studies, excuse me, and Stages Cultural Arts Center, along with the city of Boston's Blackstone Community Center, we will take that stage. We will honor this history known as the Harlem Renaissance era. Mm -hmm. And the Harlem Renaissance started around 1920. We began to go over to Europe because we couldn't deal with a situation that would deprive us simply because of our skin color or our hair texture to use our talents, to develop our talent. And around that time, uh, the Urban, not the, the Urban League and Niagara Falls Movement, which would later become the National Advancement for Colored People, NAACP, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. That's us. They started that. Mm. That resistance, that pushback that we still got to continue to do. So our guest today, state representative, Seven years on the job. I ain't talking about the preparation stage that she went through. I'm talking about seven years she has been taking care of business, trying to alleviate the barriers and the pressures that we confronted with to keep us from being who we know we could be with the right opportunities. Yep. Don't ever. I'm not up. preaching. I'm teaching. <laughs> My mother always says, never let an opportunity pass you by if it makes sense. So yeah. if there's opportunity out there, my job is to use this platform to um, to make it, you know, create more opportunities for folks of the district. And so I'm grateful to do that. And, I, and I'm grateful that you're doing that. But another thing I just want to say, folks, this is a fantastic cast. I got to thank the people <laughs> at the Blackstone Community Center at 50 West Brookline Street because— we're teaching now. We 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 got a curriculum in place now. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been down. Like I said, this is our twenty fifth year. I remember, I remember coming out the VA the detox twenty seven years ago, and I was over there in the anchor inn in the homeless shelter, in a six man room, mm-hmm. and people were telling me, and you know, like. You can't do this. You can't do that. And one of the security guards, you know, they cut the lights out at 10 o'clock. I would have to leave the six-man room and go in the hallway, get me two milk crates and start writing. And so security guard came by. He said, what are you doing, Haywood? I looked there. I said, I'm writing a play. He said, a play? <laughs> like that same guy, the one that laughed, he got to pay now. <laughs> like the rest of the people when they come and see us. And what it does is it benefits us. It benefits us because we are now collaborating. We have a young lady that's with us, and she came with us when she was 10. And she's 19 going on 20 now. And she got a four-year 
full scholarship to Emerson College, and she made the dean's list last year two times. Now she's in her sophomore year, and she's a part of our production team this year. Wow. We have another young man that came to us when he was four years old. He is 13 now. He dances, he sings, and he acts. He's a triple threat, a triple threat. I'm trying to get him or somebody to pay attention and get him some commercial money. See, we got to understand these talents. If you don't use them, you're going to lose them. Yep, that's true. And what State Representative China Tyler is doing is she's going in there and grabbing up these kids and giving them an opportunity to see what educational options could be a part of their lives. But they got to believe. And the kids can see her. Got a lot of people, a lot of times, you know, they do the chitter-chatter, what's the matter, and then leave it like that. But when you got a person that takes their time to work with our children, you got to pay attention. Mm -hmm. These are teaching moments that we be so busy talking about the Celtics and the Patriots and and they ain't doing nothing for our community. They give maybe give somebody some a little something, but they're not buying no books. They're not uh, going into the colleges and taking kids on tour because they're not thinking like that. But in order to be the kind of gov- government elected official that we need, get your cues from China Tyler. State representative of the Seventh Suffolk District. She's done a great job. Thank you. This is the other page radio. And uh State Rep. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm gonna let you say a few words of what you're doing to our listening audience as we are winding down and I, I don't want you to say, Well, he didn't let me talk, you know. So. Oh no, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying <laughs> okay, being here good. on your show. This is this is a great space and I really appreciate you again for inviting me. Yes. We wanna know, you know, what else you're doing. You know, you ain't got no free time because it's all you got your daughter, you gotta raise her up. How's she doing anyway? She's doing excellent. Uh she's a great student athlete who is um growing up in, in the city, you know, she's interested in, you know, trying to get on a bus and train by herself and just knowing how to move around the city, go to different places. And so um, I'm really grateful to be her mom. She's a great kid. You also have an office in the community now? Yes. Um, we've had a campaign office. It'll be up for a little while, not for very long. Um, we'll try to, you know, make some adjustments. But at 38 Warren Street, um, we're there pretty much all day, every day. And if you come by and we're not there, you can reach us at 617 617- Nine four two one two one three, um, and we will ha- be happy to help you out, get to wherever, and answer any questions that you have or um, service you have, or we can. Well, you know, uh, we're glad that you was able to come and spend some time with us and everything. But we also want our listening audience to know that your advocacy, the different roles that you have performed and with success. It's not an easy job. It's not, but I'm very. Um, I just this, want people. This, to I'm know very that. passionate about it. So something that I, I feel like I, you know, it's the job for me, and I look forward to many more years of serving. I want people to know <laughs> that you are stepping up, and you have found ways to bypass personal stuff to 
distract you from representing us in the manner that you are doing, and that's how champs win. <laughs> that's how champs win. Wonderful. You know, people say to me, you can't do this, you're too old, and I used to just thank them because that's fuel for me. Mm. My determination is boosted when somebody tells me I can't do something. We have 25 <laughs> yeah. years. Watch this. Yeah, That's what we yeah. tell them. Watch 25 this. 25 years that we've been in this community, and we have been able, even with the pandemic, we have been able to do full production using Zoom and the stage to educate and empower and capacity build, educate, entertain, empower the three E's you can't miss. Yeah, and also to... Um economics let's add another e on to that i actually want to share something today on the show um please do another big um you know issue topic that we're trying to address is our downtown nubian square um down dudley for some of us nubian square for uh, for others um is the biggest is the next major economic hub after downtown um, and then you have Grove Hall, then you have Mattapan Square, and in East Boston is Maverick Station. Those are the biggest hubs here in Boston, the city of Boston. And in our neighborhood, in Roxbury and Nubian Square, um, we have a, a big issue when it comes to businesses, black businesses, businesses of color being able to sustain um, in Nubian Square. And so there's an initiative right now that we have to be able to generate more um, businesses that that'll keep folks coming down to making pretty much um, Nubian Square um, a destination site. Um, and so myself, uh, Mayor Wu, and Councilor Louisiane uh, working together to push um, a bill that has passed the city council. Now it's at the state house and it's moving forward. And we're working on passing it to authorize the city of Boston to actually do it, but to provide more liquor licenses for the Bowling Building. Um, liquor licenses generate so much revenue for black restaurants and just restaurants in general um, that it actually helps create, um, you know, it, it generates wealth when it comes to any family that owns a business. And that's what we do this for. And so um, you guys know me from the Black Restaurant Challenge and making sure that yeah. businesses of color can sustain. And so it can to continue my efforts to ensure that that happens. Um, I am working on this initiative with these two amazing leaders, and I look forward to, you know, having, you know, down Delhi for some of us um, be a more vibrant area than what it is. Kind of a little bit of a desert now. There's some stuff going on down in that area. And so we're trying to clean it up and, um, you know, make it what we want it to be. Um, another thing that goes on to that E, empowerment that you mentioned, um, there are a lot of folks that actually live in the station. There's a big senior home in, in Nubian Station and a lot of the seniors there don't feel safe. And so we were able to work with one of the CDCs in the area um, and Nubian Square Foundation and Central Boston Elder Services and Roxbury Main Streets to um, secure uh, a significant amount of money to provide 24-7 security for the senior buildings in the area while we work to clean up some of the negative behaviors we're seeing, we're seeing as a spillover from a lot of different things, but a lot, mo mostly mass and cast um, behavior. Well, you know, that's something that... So we're working on it. <laughs> like I was saying earlier to our listening audience and you as well, say, Rep, the responsibility is not with one agency. Mm -hmm. It has to be a strategy, a system of strategies to do some of the things that you're talking about. For instance, I'm looking at these buildings that are, you know, like right there across the street from 
the uh, Boston Public Schools, and you know they got, you know, this facade up there with some stuff on. Those properties are already owned. Oh, yep, they're already. Yeah, they already bought those they properties. Did. They did, and they build what they want and not what we need. Well, See? you know, you know, to speak to that comment, um, that's that that has been an issue for a very long time, and. Um, I started to push back on that through filing a bill that we have um, that I filed about two years ago to pretty much relook at how we do planning yeah. and development in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, particularly here in Boston. Um, and so if you folks see me in the community, you probably will see me pushing, you know, figuring out a, a more realistic approach to development. Uh, maybe you may want more development in your community. Maybe you maybe you don't. But should you want development in your community it should be something that works for everyone and so i work really hard with a lot of developers and a lot of folks to be able to build what people want to see should they want to see something because um the opportunity to you know create that right now is more realistic than not i mean it's it's a development boom here we have a voice (laughs) yeah you You know we we just try to uplift the voice we didn't we didn't have a voice we had somebody to come in you know uh not really interested in the community and the residents of that community but just want to make some money, mm-hmm. you know, and they take money from a lamppost, some people, you know, but all good, all money ain't good money. You know, oh, they that, taught is us true. That, that is true. A long time ago. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, people just get money and they come through and they see the building boom that's going on. Like you say, this is a real big and very, very landed district. This is landed district. Yeah. And, and I'm looking at these people and I'm saying, wow, look at them. They don't even live here. Yeah. They don't live in our district. You know, gentrification. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a we real gotta thing. We got to look at that. We got to look at that. You know, we got to find a way. But what's up? I'm going to say it to them and let you talk. We have to find a way to find out how do we get some of the technology that's over in Framingham where people from Worcester drive to Framingham, go to work in Framingham, and go back to where they live. They don't come to Boston anymore. So why can't we have some of those jobs in our district, like the proposed working with the hospitals, which I talked about a long time ago, you know, and training people that live in Orchard Park, some of those technology jobs, uh, so that we can have incomes that are beyond fixed. Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's a big part of the Parcel 3 um, you know, plan and ob- objective is to be able to provide workforce and development for yeah, an industry. That, on that. Yeah, so it's going to happen, and uh, folks are going to be very proud about the end result. Right. Um, just continue to keep us posted on what folks are thinking and what you're hearing, and we mm. just want to create the best project um, that folks will be proud proud mm. about living around. I want to thank you, uh, State Rep, for coming down and trying to help those people down at Grant. Well, thank you for that. Oh, thank up. you for inviting me. Thank you, you know, for inviting we're still, me. We're still at that. You know, <laughs> we're still at that. We're not, we, we can't lay down. We got to stand up. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I noticed that, um, State Rep, you may have also noticed this. The uh, uh, dark-skinned Latinos are now working in the construction, and no African-Americans are working there. Some uh, construction companies are not hiring our people that were born here, uh, they have these people that look like they African-Americans. Uh, I don't know how that happened, but I'm seeing quite a bit. Uh, people that live in the community are standing on the corners. They're driving in and driving out and making money, and we, 
we still are in the, in the, in the can line or the food line. You know, so that's something that's coming up down the road. I'm sure you're going to hear about it, you know, or you're going to see it. And if I know if you see it. <laughs> it's something that we definitely, you know, are aware of and are doing okay. something about at the State right. House. Um, you know, when it comes to collecting data, mm. oftentimes race is just missed um, for various reasons. Um, mm. But that cannot happen because we don't know what's happening with the progress of a certain type of people, the people that we're we're trying to fight for or that we're investing mm-hmm. in. So we want to know what's doing what. And so when it comes to construction, that's something that's very live and well and prevalent in the construction industry where a lot of discriminatory practices are happening to people of color and one, wa- wage theft. Um, you have folks, you know, being, you know, getting the job of being the first to be laid off, not getting the adequate amount of work hours and not really being able to participate in the industry. And so, we're working in a construction industry in a construction world to be able to ensure that Thank um, you. when it comes to equity that those numbers are actually documented and then also too more importantly making Gotta sure you, you fight go. that fight for wage theft. Thanks, thanks, State Rep, for yeah. coming in. Yeah. Great, great <laughs> show. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Other page radios gone. Mm-hmm.